It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's the Sports, sports Rush with, with Brett Rush. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Listen to me, I'm older and I'm wise. Yeah, well, you're half right. What is this, amateur hour? This is gonna be huge. I believe this is gonna be our finest hour. Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it? I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. Oh yeah, heading home on a Tuesday. It is the Sports Rush. I am Brad Rump and Adam Lundy in the studio producer's chair. Coming up, we got a big show for you. We're going to be talking Comet Hockey with the voice of the Comet, Shane Alberani. Also, hour number two, the great Greg Rakestraw joins us. We'll talk, uh, well, we'll have to talk a little of the IUPUI Jaguars versus Purdue-Fort Wayne Mastodons game, which comes up on Thursday night. Greg and I will both be on the call. Of course, I've got the radio call here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Greg Rickstraw handles things on the TV side for ESPN+. Plus. So we'll hang out together on Thursday night. Hope you join us for Mastodon's Basketball. It's also a reminder that coming up at 6 o'clock tonight, we've got the Mastodon's Coaches Show. It is live at the Holiday Inn, Purdue-Fort Wayne, right across from the Coliseum. Men's basketball coach John Kaufman will have an assistant coach. We'll have a player. We'll have women's basketball coach Maria Marcasano and men's volleyball coach Rock Parat, all part of the show Mastodon's Coaches Show at 6 o'clock right here after the Sports Rush. Last night, I made my bold prediction, and much like Chris Ballard, I failed. Uh, boy, oh boy, what happened to the Horn Frogs? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Georgia just absolutely smoked some Horn Frogs last night. That- Gave me a chance to watch the college basketball because I didn't have to watch a whole lot of football. I'll be honest with you, Brett. I turned it off after halftime. Uh, I don't even know if I made it to halftime. I got so embarrassed. It was, uh, I, well, it was 31 to 7. And then TCU throws the interception, right, with like 30 seconds left. And I just knew that Georgia was going to find a way to score again before because every time Georgia touched the football, it ended in a touchdown other than that one field goal. But they had scored every time they touched the football. So as soon as they got the ball, and I think it was around the 20-yard line, I thought, they'll get in. They'll score. It's going to be 38-7, to and Georgia is going to get the second half kickoff. This game is completely over. And uh, I switched it at that point. It was 31-7. to I did switch back on a timeout just to see, and it was 38-7, to as I expected. And things didn't slow down much in the second half, as uh, Stetson Bennett, Finishes up a uh, a pretty prolific college career, going 18 to 25, over 300 yards passing, four touchdowns, no picks. Is Stetson Bennett an NFL caliber quarterback? Is there a comparison for Stetson Bennett in the NFL? 
He's shorter than most quarterbacks, so there's not a comparison there. How tall is Taysom Hill? I don't know if Taysom Hill, he may be slightly better athlete than Stetson Bennett. Maybe not quite as good a thrower as far as accuracy. Uh, Taysom Hill is six foot two. So he's still about three inches taller than Stetson Bennett. And it will be interesting at the Combine exactly what the official measurement of Stetson Bennett, because he's listed on the roster of 5'11", and there are some that say he may fall just below that at 5'10 and 3 quarters. Uh, but is he an NFL quarterback? Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. I asked this on a poll, in fact. I don't know if you uh, happen to check this out on Twitter last night, but... I was curious what people were thinking as far as Stetson Bennett and his future. I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a top draft pick. I don't think he's a first round guy. He's not the kind of guy you're going to build a franchise around. But there are guys like Chase Daniel who ends up playing in the uh, NFL for what 14 years and counting that are not big quarterbacks, but they're smart, they're accurate, they uh, have some mobility. They can be flexible to play in a different number of different style offenses, and uh, and they're smart enough to learn different offenses, which makes them valuable as a pickup to fill a backup quarterback position on a roster. But last night, I asked the question in a poll on Twitter, is Stetson Bennett going to be a an NFL quarterback, yes or no? I kept it that simple. Will Stetson Bennett be a good NFL quarterback? That was the exact question. 67% said no. He will not be a good quarterback. So I'm wondering, is it strictly the size? Is it the arm strength? What is it that gives 67% of the poll reasons for doubt about Stetson Bennett at the next level? Kirby Smart was trying to give him a ringing endorsement after the game, uh, talking about how he should definitely be playing at the next level, that there's teams that need to give him a shot. Um, But uh, Stetson Bennett was good last night. Georgia was dominant. I mean, that was no contest. Georgia did whatever they wanted to do. I texted you, and I, what was the score at the time when I texted you, and I said, Georgia is doing whatever they want to do to TCU. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think at that time it was probably getting close to that thirty to seven, thirty-one to seven. But I think it might have been in the twenties at that point. Yeah, I, I mean the score was ringing up like the uh, the lottery sign when it doesn't have winners. <laughs> I mean it was just it was so ridiculous last night. And I thought, how did I ever think that TCU was going to stay within thirteen and a half points? It, it, it's a kind of game that makes you feel stupid. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. you should feel yeah. pretty stupid. I now. should feel pretty stupid. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You but, should feel stupid today. But yeah, I mean, you thought it was going to be definitely closer than uh, than what it ended up being. Georgia, That's- a one-point game against Ohio State. TCU beats a Michigan team that had a dominant defense throughout the course of the year. And so, I mean, you didn't think that this was going to be an absolute blowout. But that's what we got. 65-7 to last night. Georgia over TCU. I don't even know what to say. Stetson Bennett can be an NFL quarterback, and I'm not trying to put him on the Colts. I'm not going there. I know the Colts (laughs) need a quarterback, and I'm not trying to put Stetson Bennett into a blue uniform. Um, But but just the question, if you you think he 
cannot be an NFL quarterback, what is it that gives you reservations? Because he's been a terrific college quarterback. He's always been overlooked. You know, it seems like, oh, well, he didn't, you know, he had, he wouldn't have had the job had someone not gotten injured in spring practice or whatever it was. And, you know, he was only a walk-on. So he's always been the overachiever. And is is it the past reputation that he wasn't that five-star guy that everybody's been following for five years? Why? Why? I mean, because Bryce Young, let's put it this way. Bryce Young is being mentioned as the number one pick in the draft, I think, more on reputation than performance. And I'm not so sure about C.J. Stroud, although the couple of times I've seen Stroud this year, I've been more impressed with his performance than I have Bryce Young. But who am I to evaluate? I thought TCU could stay within 13 and a half points. Uh, I'm still a little embarrassed by that. I feel like an Indianapolis Colts player right now, just full of embarrassment. <laughs> uh, but last night, Georgia wins big. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. What is on your mind on this Tuesday? In fact, even if you want to go off the script and, and, and other than the college championship, you got something on your mind, let us know. 46862. Yeah, we did get one in. Um, this was about Stetson Bennett. Someone weighed in. You can compare him to Doug Flutie as a quarterback. And there was nothing wrong with Flutie. Flutie actually was smaller. Flutie, I think, 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, and, uh, you know, Flutie was serviceable as a backup. Certainly. And he's actually listed at, yeah, 5'10". So, yeah, right around the same. He's listed 5'10"? Yeah. Uh, Flutie, not 5'10". Those were with cleats on. Yeah, those were with the uh, extra long spikes yes. for, for wet grass. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, that's probably somewhat fair. Average arm strength, uh, supreme accuracy, good decision making. You know, the problem you've got when you've got Georgia, LSU, Alabama quarterbacks how much of it is the quarterback and how much of it is receivers that get 5, 10, 15, maybe even 20 yards of separation? Could you believe some of the guys last night and how open they were? TCU had one early. Yeah. But... A blown coverage by Georgia. And unfortunately, Max Duggan underthrew it. Because if he'd have laid it out where the receiver could have kept going for it, that was a touchdown. And it should have been a touchdown. Um, I think TCU ended up going on and scoring on that drive, so probably didn't matter. In fact, you have to have a lot of things that matter to make a 65-7 game even start to look respectable. But um, but Stetson Bennett found guys wide open, uh, broke down TCU's secondary. And, um, I, I mean, I thought, you know what, this guy's finishing off a great college career and this may be the end of the road. He's much more impressive than Tim Tebow. And Tim Tebow was a great college quarterback. He was a winner. But Stetson Bennett, who's obviously much smaller than Tebow, has had the same kind of success that Tebow had at Florida. And Tebow was obviously very hyped coming out of college. And Stetson Bennett, it seems like nobody ex expects him to do anything but sell insurance next year. I mean, what's <laughs> the what's the deal? Yeah. Um, and I wonder if the, the texter who compares him to Doug Flutie, if he feels that that's a comparison based on size, skill set, or because you have to put the whole package together. Is there a comparison? Is there a comp for Stetson Bennett that has played in the NFL? I mean, you go way back and say, is Fran Tarkenton a comp? 
don't look at me that way, Adam. I know I probably just went 10 years past. Yeah, I did. Brand Tarkenton, Minnesota Vikings. I'll have to look him up. That that didn't help either. Brand Tarkenton. Joe Montana. Do you that, know? That yes, I do okay, know Joe Montana. Okay, you know Montana. Montana. Okay. Well, it wasn't long before Montana when you had Tarkenton. Roger Staubach. I've heard the name. Uh heard the name. Terry Bradshaw. Of course. Okay. All these guys were playing at the same time. Fran Tarkenton, uh Roger Staubach. Yeah, I guess Tarkenton never made it to my radar. Never, never made it. Okay. He uh running back was George Foreman. Not oh, that George, yeah. not that no, George not Foreman. Not that one, no. but the other one. Not the guy that makes the burgers. <laughs> the grill. Yeah. Did you uh I saw this the other day that uh <laughs> a a uh, like a two hundred million dollar mistake. Uh Hulk Hogan was actually offered the grill idea. The George Foreman grill? Before George Foreman. Oh. And Hulk Hogan turned it down. Wow. Yeah. I mean that's that's literally millions and millions of dollars. It's, it's generated, I think they, they estimated two hundred million dollars for George Foreman. It's still one of the most popular selling items, uh, the George Foreman grill. And, and Hulk Hogan, it could have been the Hulk Hogan grill, and he turned it down. Couldn't believe it. There you yeah. go, Hulk. There you go. <laughs> uh, hey, earlier today, Chris Ballard had a chance to meet with the media. Uh, we're going to have to let you know some of the things he had to say, how he felt about the season, who uh, took responsibility. Is he feeling personal accountability for what happened to the Colts this year? He had quite a bit to say, and he somewhat disarmed the media immediately when he took the podium. We'll tell you all about that. Also, a uh, little Ball State, chirp, chirp, talk some Ball State basketball. Shane Alberani is going to join us to talk Comet hockey. What happened to the Comets? You know, they were they were terrible. Then all of a sudden, it's like they flipped the switch and they figured it out defensively. They went on this. Was it ultimately a seven or eight game winning streak? And now all of a sudden, they're looking like the Comets of old. What happened? Was it a personnel change, goaltender change? What 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 happened? Maybe Shane Alberani can give us some insights. He'll be joining us coming up at about 435. Hour number two, Greg Rakestraw joins the program. So we are packed today here on the Sports Rush. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix four to six. I am Brad Rump along with Adam Lundy. And coming up on the show, we'll talk to Shane Alberani coming up at just about, uh, what is that, 12 minutes? 13 minutes from now, roughly. Uh, so stick with us if you're a common hockey fan. Also, hour number two, Greg Rakestraw joins us. And it's Tuesday. We've got Tuesday time capsule trivia. You know what that means? we got a big chance to win today. Not only will you be assured of getting a large pizza to Pizza Hut with the Pizza Hut card, but we've got four Shrine Circus tickets as part of the package if you beat me. How about that? Big rewards for knocking me off. Uh, but that will be coming up sometime just after 5 o'clock. So a little time to wait, but we'll give you a chance to win the four-pack of circus tickets plus a large pizza to pizza with Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia coming up today. So Chris Ballard did meet with the media earlier today, kind of a season recap press conference that he has every year. This one, of course, we thought could be rather interesting. It could get fiery. The media obviously has been calling out Chris Ballard on a lot of the moves the Colts have made. They've also 
Um, they've also looked at uh, Chris Ballard as a guy that's um, powerless. That Jim Ursay maybe is the one that is pulling all the uh, the strings, and that Chris Ballard is nothing more than a puppet. Well, he addressed those things, and it started right off the top with him disarming a lot of the media by taking full responsibility for what happened this year. Look, I failed. I'm not going to sit up here and make excuses. Failed a lot of people. Um, Highly disappointed, you know, about where we're at, how the season went. You know, I never take lightly what's at stake here. And it's not, you know, the wins and losses, but... You know, people's lives are on the line. Players' families, coaches' families, front office, people in this building. And I don't ever take that lightly. And, you know, I'm disappointed. Um, disappointed where we're at. And ultimately, it falls on my shoulder. So he takes full accountability, full responsibility for what happened this season and the embarrassment that the Colts faced uh, with a 4-12-1 record. Now, there are some... The question whether Chris Ballard should continue in his position. Did he fail badly enough that he should be replaced? And if there's going to be a rebuild of this roster, can you do it objectively when it's your roster that's been assembled? Because obviously it's like you look at those players and you think, I brought that guy in. Now I've got to tell that guy he's not good enough. That in some ways admits fault of my own. And uh, he was asked a little bit about uh, why he should be the guy for the job. I know there's doubt. There should be. Absolutely there should be. The criticism. It's warning. Criticism, you know, regarding my job and what I've done, it's warning. But I'm still, I've not lost any confidence in what we can build here. Kind of interesting because a lot of what he was saying early on, he was disarming the media and taking away really what they were going to come after him for, which was, you know, what about your uh, responsibility in this roster rebuild? What about uh, and, and then, of course, it came up the situation between Chris Ballard and uh, Jim Ursay and uh, the, the speculation by so many in the media, the public, online, social media that Jim Mersey is really the one calling the shots and that Chris Ballard is basically the fall guy. He's the one that's taking, uh, you know, the blame for it. Uh, Chris, Chris Ballard wanted to make a point about the relationship he has with Jim Mersey and how decisions are actually made inside the Colts offices. Let me, I'm going to say this about Mr. Ursay. I love working for him. He's a good man. He's a good owner. And he has a lot of experience in this league. And we talk about everything. And look, we don't always agree. Like if we're agreeing all the time, I'm not doing my job. If I'm sitting here just, you know, I mean, and I don't, I think y'all have been around me long enough to know that, like, it just comes out. Like sometimes even when I don't want it to, it just comes out. Like I'm going to be honest and tell you what I think. And I'm very honest with him about what I think. And he's very honest and direct with me and at the end of the day um there's some decisions that i'll make and say good you know okay chris i don't completely agree with that but go let's move forward and there's some decisions that 
he'll make that I'll say, look, I don't completely agree with that, but we'll move forward. But when we make one, we make it, we make it together and we move forward. Mr. Ursay lets me do my job. Clearly, one of the decisions that Jim Ursay made that Chris Ballard didn't necessarily agree with, but he said, okay, <laughs> we'll make it and we'll move forward. The hiring of Jeff Saturday. Yes. And as Chris Ballard said, he can't hide it, right? He said, sometimes I just put it out there and I, I don't always mean to, but that's just me. Well, his attitude at the Jeff Saturday press conference was pretty obvious as far as whether he was supporting Jeff Saturday being hired as the interim head coach. He was not on board with that. So he was asked about the coaching search and where does Jeff Saturday fit into that plan as far as a future permanent head coach for the Indianapolis Colts. And Chris Ballard says, we are going to do our due diligence we are going to take our time. Uh, Jeff Saturday is definitely a candidate. He would not mention other candidates that they were interested in, but he said this may be a process that could take us into mid-February. Well, that's also interesting because if there were a couple of the big names that we know are out there, like Sean Payton, I don't think this would be a long process because you're bidding against maybe Denver, if it's Jim Harbaugh, you might be bidding against someone. So you would probably want to get your offer out there fairly quickly, get your interviews done fairly quickly. And uh, according to Chris Ballard, they're going to take their time. And I thought that was kind of interesting that this could drag out into February. And, uh, and we'll see if it really goes that long. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. I was just going to say, it certainly feels like if they have their guy, it wouldn't take until February. Is Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's one of those guys, if, if they see Sean Payton sitting out there and they feel there's an opportunity for Sean Payton to come in and take over at the Indianapolis Colts, I don't think Payton wants this job because I think one of the criteria for Sean Payton, he wants the built-in quarterback. And that's why I keep saying, Sean Payton's best opportunity... And even though Denver, if Russell Wilson can play like he did in the final game of the season, but that was kind of a one-game sample out of 17 where he played at that level, where he was scrambling, where he was throwing the ball downfield, Russell Wilson has always been one of the best vertical throwers perhaps in the history of the NFL. And he wasn't taking shots. And I, it's starting to look more and more like the culture of that team was a mess under Nathaniel Hackett because it's immediately changed in the last couple of weeks. Oh, and by the way, while I'm thinking about it, it's not George Foreman, it's Chuck Foreman. And the crazy thing was we used to play, uh, I don't even know what the game was called, but you had like three or four of my friends would get in the backyard, which our backyard was like 10 feet wide by 20 feet long. I didn't realize how small it was until I went back and visited the old neighborhood when I was an adult. And I thought, how did we play there? I mean, it was so small. But uh, we used to play in the backyard and uh, we'd throw the ball up in the air. You'd go up and catch it and then everybody would have to tackle you. And there was no purpose. There, there was no way to score. You just ran and tried to see if you could escape tackles or if you, you know, and if you were on defense, if you could get in a big hit. No pads. Okay, that's the recklessness with which we played with when I was young. 
You could never get away with that kind of stuff today. Parents would have you inside, right? You'd be wearing pillows underneath your clothes to keep you protected and not get bruised. Um, we beat the tar out of each other. And, and the funny thing was I always played um, Chuck Foreman. That, that too, uh, if I felt like I was extra tough that day, maybe Larry Zonka, but you don't know Larry Zonka either. I do know Larry you Zonka. You do know Larry Zonka. How did you, how do you know Zonka and not know Foreman? Uh, I'll credit a rap artist that I listened to that mentioned Larry Zonka. Really? In a song. Yes. Uh, Larry Zonka. Yep. Yep. Um, but anyway, that just happened to hit me that I, I couldn't believe that I, I called him George Foreman. And now, and what, now that the textures brought it up, yeah, it's like, and you went on the whole thing about the the grills. George Foreman grill, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing was, as soon as I said George Foreman, the first thing that hit me in my mind was, oh, the grill story. I got to tell the grill story. Yeah, I, I of course, I, nothing could be more embarrassing than what happened to me last night with Georgia and TCU. <laughs> I was sitting there with thirteen and a half points, and all I needed was an extra. 45. That's all it would have taken. All I, all I needed was an alternate spread that was, was 58 and a half, and I'd have won. Almost had it. Almost. I was that close. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, was, that was my worst pick of the year. No question. You know, actually, I did really well on the NFL picks. Yeah. But I think I forgot to submit them, so I don't think I got credit. But oh, I think I only no. missed one game all Sunday. Um, and that would figure I didn't click the submit button. Of course. So nothing got saved. Uh, hey, Ball State, how about the Cardinals? You know, we mentioned yesterday that we had head coach Michael Lewis on the program just before Christmas. They have not lost since, since we invited Michael Lewis to be on this show. So clearly the Sports Rush mojo <laughs> has, uh, has kind of shed itself onto the Ball State men's basketball team. And tonight, the Cardinals have a big one. They are on the road at Ohio in MAC action, or MACTION, as uh, Ball State takes their 11-4 record. I think it's a seven-game winning streak now to uh, Ohio, where it's always tough to play. <clears throat> in fact, Ohio, a two-point favorite on the Cardinals tonight. So uh, that's to look forward to. We'll have to give you an update on that tomorrow. Coming up on the show, we've got Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia, and it's a chance for you to win a four-pack of tickets to the Shrine Circus coming to the Memorial Coliseum last weekend of the month. Also uh, coming up next, let's talk Comet Hockey. Shane Alberani, voice of the Comets, is going to join us as we continue to roll with this Tuesday edition of the Sports Rush. Your chance to win with Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia comes up in our next hour, just shortly after 5 o'clock. We've got a uh, four-pack of tickets to the Shrine Circus. Go ahead, Adam, sing the, sing the jingle. No, not going to do it today? All right, we'll see if we can get you to do it by Friday because we've got four-packs of tickets to the Shrine Circus to give away every day this week. Uh, and uh, we'll do that with Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia Coming up just after 5 o'clock. Joining us right now on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline, Voice of the Comets, on our sister station, whoa, whoa. <clears throat> Comets will be on the road tomorrow night at Kalamazoo, trying to get things turned around. And how do they end up going this direction? It seems like it's two one-way streets for the Comets. They're either going straight north or they're going straight south. 
and let's find out about it. Shane Alberani. Shane, how are you this afternoon? I'm good, Brett, but the Comets are at home tomorrow. Oh, against at, at home. <laughs> Look, hey, hey, I want you to be my witness, okay? <laughs> this, this, this schedule that was printed for us in our studio, it's not the official Comet schedule, by the way. It's our broadcast schedule. does say Comets at Kalamazoo. So well, I appreciate you correcting him, correcting me, yes, Shane. Yes, uh, you know, because if I would have taken your word for it, I'd be waiting for a bus. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you'd be at the right building. That's right, um, yeah. You'd just be a little early. Uh, all right, so the Comets at home on a Wednesday night out at the uh, Coliseum on Sweetwater Ice. Uh, Shane, what what is going on with this team? What what is the uh, polarization of this hockey club? Uh, I well, mean, it's it's north or it's south. Well, I mean, it, it's it's actually it's it's very simple. It's just arithmetic. Uh, you know, the Comets can dress seventeen players, and the Comets currently have thirteen players either injured or called up. So that wow. is really the big uh, the the big answer there is that you know this team you know started off slow. You know, Coach Ben Boudreau and David Franke was able to make trades, you know, sign guys, move around parts, and get the team that they wanted coming out of training camp, and then it just fell apart literally within 72 hours because you had call-ups and injuries, and that's the way it goes. It, it happens in this league. We've seen it time and time again. Uh, you know, eight-game winning streaks turns into six-game winless streaks real fast uh, in the ECHL, and, and, the, and the comments are, are on that back end. You know, they won eight straight. Now they've dropped three in a row, and you just have to deal with it. You have to realize, okay, here's what we have. Here's what's coming up, and we just got to change our game a little bit, and that's what they're going to have to do. One of the losses, though, I mean, here's the, the embarrassing part. It doesn't matter who you put on the ice. These are still professional hockey players that should have a little bit of pride. But an 8-2 to two loss to the rival Fish, uh, that, that's just not acceptable for Comet fans. Yeah, you know, and this was, you know, after, uh, you know, the Comets uh, uh, pumped the walleye 6-2 to two in their barn just a week prior. I mean, literally seven days. So the difference in that seven days uh, was, was quite remarkable. But... Uh, you know, again, you have one of those the games, just like you said, you know, Brett, you know, these are all professional hockey players. You know, they, they have pride, and, uh, you know, they are going to have to figure out a way to get through this. And, it's, again, it's, you know, it, it comes down to playing with the pieces that, that you're dealt. And the Comets still have a tremendous forward group. I mean, it's still one of the better forward groups you're going to have in the league, even uh, without guys like Stefano Giuliotti and, and Matt Bowdens and Sam Dove McFalls out of the lineup. But, uh you know, and you still have got veterans back at the blue line as well. And, and the goaltending has come along nicely. So, uh, you know, I, I expect this team, you know, again, if you keep your head above water here probably this month, you know, at the end of the month, hopefully you're going to see guys coming back from IR. That's the, that's the prognosis right now. So if you can kind of stay around, you know, stay at that 500 level, you're still in pretty good shape going into the final three months of the season. You mentioned goaltending. What is the goaltending situation right now? The Comets picked up a couple of guys, but then someone came back from Bakersfield. So, so what is the exact situation with goaltending? Yeah, uh, you know, Ryan Fancy uh, was sent uh, back down uh, from the Edmonton Oilers, and uh, he literally uh, landed, uh, got into the game Saturday in relief, and was called right back up. Uh, so he was just down for, for maybe 48 hours, uh, maybe not even that. Uh, so the Comets, uh, they still have Colton Point, who is on the IR, not sure uh, when he will come back. So you're, you have Ryland Peronto and Max Malosic. So two, uh, you know, two guys, two former walleye goaltenders, which is also kind of cool. Uh, but uh, uh, Ryland Peronto, every game 
he has played. You know, he he gets better and better and better. And Max Molasik is is a attested vet who who has been around. He's a great number two. So uh, goaltending wise, you know, I, I feel pretty confident about this team going forward. Even if this is what the comments are going to have to work with the rest of the season, I feel, I still feel pretty confident. Does Molasik have new pads yet? No, Max Milosic does not. Uh, you know, he's still working <laughs> with the, the walleye colors, and, uh, you, know, we, we, you know, we may have to do a little paint job there, but uh, that's the way it goes. You know, the guys don't get new pads, you know, every day. You know, it's not, it's not the NHL. they got to wait a little bit. But, uh, you know what, when he went in there uh, into Toledo wearing that gear and, and managed to, uh, to, get a, to get a big win, you know, that was pretty special for him, I know. What about the uh, the front line as as far as the forwards and the and the line combinations? What has stood out for you there? Uh, well, you know, you, you've got some really good you know power forwards on this team, and Oliver Cooper uh, and Mark Rasslin, Sean Boudreau, and those guys they've come to life over the past couple of weeks, uh, especially Mark Rassel, uh who had a slow start. We had a, he, he came to the team last year for the last few games of the regular season. They had a tremendous playoff. And he, he's heating up. You know, he was the, the rookie of the month in the ECHL. So they have got a lot of size that I also think that they can utilize just going to the net and just going stronger to the goaltender. Cause you also have got guys, you know, the finesse guy on the, on the outside, Josh Winquist, who's been killing it. And the comments got Drake Grimshaw back. So don't forget mm. that. You know, he was called up, uh, to, to Bakersfield. He was a, he was a point a game a night for 14 games. He had 14 points with the comments. So let's not forget that because with his absence, the comments weren't very good on the faceoffs, and he, that's that's why he really is here to win faceoffs and win that puck control game. So I think getting Drake Rimsha in there uh, is going to be a tremendous help. Uh, Scott Allen was suspended for a couple games, so he goes back to the blue line. The comments make another trade uh, for another uh, blue liner, Max Balanson, uh, who, who's been in Reading in Cincinnati last year. So again, it's it's a patchwork lineup. You know, I, I, I you know I've you know the notes on when guys could be coming back and again we just got to get through this month and hopefully things are going to turn around got a whole list of upper body and lower body injuries that's right that's right (laughs) (laughs) nobody tells you exactly what hurts but they will tell you if it's a lower body or an upper body injury uh shane alberani is joining us on the masters heating and cooling hotline so where does it stand give us an update because we're approaching what the halfway point pretty close right yeah what does it look like as far as the current standings, playoff position, etc.? Well, the comments right now in fifth place, but it's it's very very deceiving. You can't really look at that because in the Central Division, you can go from third place to sixth place in literally forty eight hours, two games. That's that's how close the standings are uh, in the Central Division. So it is just a a battle every night for positioning, and 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 even a team like Cincinnati, who had been in first place uh, for much of the season, they're starting to come down a little bit uh, into the pack. Uh, so you you're, you pay so many so many games within your division, and that that can hurt you a lot, and also help you a lot as, as well because. Uh, uh, you're able to make up those points relatively quickly. But the comments here, when we're getting into the month of February, we go outside of the division a lot. So those four-point swings aren't going to be available uh, as much there in the month of February. But looking at the central division standings, you know, the comments were in third place. Now we're in fifth in the matter of two games. But the comments have played uh, three less games than some of the teams in our division. So, you know, there's four to six points right in your pocket that you have in hand. Uh, so that'll be very, very helpful uh, down the stretch. But, uh, you know, the points, you know, the, the, the Nailers uh, have 33 points. Toledo has 33 points. The Comets have 31. 
Kalamazoo has 29. So, again, that can flip-flop real quick. You're playing Kalamazoo tomorrow. you got Wheeling on Friday, Toledo on Saturday, Indy on Sunday. So the Comets can change their fate real quick this weekend. Comets have had supremacy in the state of Indiana uh, for what seems like quite a while. Indy Fuel this year, they now in first place? Yeah, Indy's in first place. You know, it's a good hockey team, uh, 45 points. Uh, but they paid, played 32 games where the Comets uh, have played 29. So there's, you know, there's the, the big difference right there. There's six points that the Comets uh, could pick up. But, uh, no, Indy's been playing very well. Uh, you know, they've, they've uh, overtaken Cincinnati for that top spot, and they just uh, keep cruising right, right along. And they, they can score goals, 123 goals scored this year. Uh, the Comets have 108 goals scored, so you got two really, really uh, patented offenses here. But, but uh, you know, the defensive side is the thing. You know, Indy's given up 95. The Comets have given up 115 goals. So that's why the Comets are where they are. Shane, uh, it doesn't seem like we've seen Kalamazoo a ton so far this season. Does that mean it's going to be weighted pretty heavy and we'll get uh, we'll have to get to know these guys pretty well over the next couple of months? Yeah, this is only going to be the second meeting between these two teams. The comments have yet to go up to Kalamazoo this year. Uh, so we were very heavy with Cincinnati and Indianapolis and Wheeling in the first half and even Toledo. So the comments are going to go outside of the division quite a bit. Uh, but uh, we're going to start seeing uh, you know Iowa an awful lot and Kalamazoo in the second half of the season. So, yeah, we need to get to know these guys. Looking forward to your call tomorrow night at the Coliseum. You will That's find right. Shane Alberani, Radio Ringside, up in uh, the Bob Chase Radio Suite. Uh, Shane, always appreciate it. Uh, have a good night, and uh, look forward to the call tomorrow. Thanks a lot, Brett. That is Shane Alberani joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. And of course, Common Hockey on our sister station, whoa, whoa, 1190 AM, 107.5 FM, uh, just down the hall from where we sit out here in the uh, the trailer south of town. <laughs> the trailer? I had to come up with something. It's it, it's not a complex. It's not a campus. It's the pole barn. Uh, but anyway, Shane Alberani, always gracious uh, in spending some time with us to talk comment hockey. Coming up in hour number two. Tuesday Time Cops Trivia comes up at 5 o'clock, and we're going to give you a chance, if you can beat me, to win a four-pack of tickets to the Shrine Circus coming to the Coliseum last weekend of January. Uh, and so we'll give you your cue to call in to play some Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. Also on the way in hour number two today, we've got Greg Rakestraw. Always great to get Rake's take. And I'll be down there seeing Greg at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, which is also the home of the Indy Fuel. Uh, I will be down there on Thursday for the Mastodons taking on the IUPUI Jaguars. Do you realize this is the first time in three years the Mastodons will go down to Indiana Farmers Coliseum to play the uh, Jaguars? In fact, I think it might be the first time in three years that we've actually even played each other uh, because the the COVID cancellations, et cetera, have been an issue. But uh, Mastodons and the Jaguars coming up on Thursday night, 7 o'clock tip, 6.45 pregame right here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Greg Rakestraw comes up at about 5.20. Also, plenty more on Chris Ballard. Spoke to the media. What does it mean? What did we learn? What is the direction the Colts are going to go? You know, this is one of those... Forks in the road where you've got options. Okay, You can try to patch things up and continue to move forward with a roster that you believe can compete for a playoff position or possibly a championship. 
Maybe the Colts are too far, uh, too far removed from that opportunity. But the other option is to start over and to try to collect draft picks, try to build a new young nucleus, get a young franchise quarterback, try to get up to that number one spot in the draft, possibly to get the quarterback of your choice. Um, we'll find out. Chris Ballard did address these things and we'll talk a little bit about it after five o'clock. So busy, busy. Tuesday afternoon. Glad you're joining us. Oh, and also our question of the day. We did have a couple of responses on the text line. Uh, Stetson Bennett, who led Georgia to the national championship win over TCU. It ended uh, Stetson Bennett's college career. Very successful college career. But what does it mean for the next level? Can Stetson Bennett play as an NFL quarterback? And... We just had a text that came in that said the best comp for Stetson Bennett is Sam Ellinger. Might be a career backup. And and that's what I said. I said, I don't think that this guy's going to be somebody that that a team drafts because they think they've got their future starting quarterback. You draft him to bring some added intelligence to your quarterback room, to be a guy that gives you a nice skill set, not the strongest arm. Maybe not the most accurate, but I think he's a pretty accurate quarterback. Now, the texter argued about his accuracy, saying the only reason he appears to be accurate is because he's throwing to guys that are elite-level athletes that are superior uh, superior to the competition. And so they're creating space that allows him to be less accurate. Um, but uh, he'll go through all the testing at the Combine. But Sam Ellinger was the uh, the comp. We also had a Doug Flutie. We had what Joe Theismann was that somebody goes back to went back to Joe Theismann and mentioned him. Yep, someone said uh, Joe Theismann was six foot, and then someone also said uh, Drew Brees is not far off in size. Not far off in size, not the same skill set. I'm not I'm not going to compare Stetson Bennett to Drew Brees, but uh, I think Bennett is more of an athlete perhaps than Drew Brees, but Drew Brees has more of an arm than Stetson Bennett. 46862. Do you think Stetson Bennett is going to be a good NFL quarterback? Now, that doesn't mean he's a starter. Doesn't mean he's, you know, headed as, as a franchise guy for Super Bowl titles. All I'm saying is there's some that doubt that he's ever going to make it out of uh, insurance class. And, uh, you know, but, but seriously, should he be a considered a future NFL quarterback. What are your thoughts? Let us know at 46862. Yeah, and we're getting some conflicting thoughts about it, too. Um, someone just said Bennett is out of the league within three years. Johnny Manziel 2.0. Uh, I think he's a different character guy than Johnny Manziel. And then someone uh, kind of came to his defense. Someone said Stetson Bennett, not the strongest arm. Are you crazy? All of the TV guys last night said he had a tremendous arm. That's interesting because that's one of the knocks that I've seen repeatedly is... Not a strong arm, but a uh, above-average accuracy. Um, I did he really let one sail last night? I mean, I I don't know. I'd have to see the combine numbers. Four six eight six two Parkview Sports Medicine text line. This is the Sports Rush on thirteen eighty The Fan and one hundred point nine FM. 